There are some things we can't control. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with one such example. Here's a profound thought. You should remember this. People are going to think whatever they want to think. You can't control that. So to go to the plains of Ono one more time to try to reason with them, to try to convince them, hey, people are going to think what they think, especially if an enemy of God is trying to smear your reputation, Facebook, Twitter, text, and all these lies. Just keep your eyes on the Lord and understand it's going to come if it hasn't already. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my prayers. That you would bear my cross. You When we're being accused of something that just isn't true, it can be devastating, and you might be tempted to leave the place God has for you. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn about this common strategy the enemy uses to take us down and how to handle it. Pastor Ed Taylor will be wrapping up our series, Into Faith We Go, with a study in Nehemiah chapter 6. The enemy is relentlessly pursuing Nehemiah. Ed has noticed four attacks employed by Satan here that he still uses against us today. The good news is Nehemiah makes it through them, and so can you. Pick up with me in verse 5. Well, Samballat sent his servant to me as before the fifth time. So not just four, but five times. And he had an open letter in his hands. Now, let me just pause here for a second. We don't speak much of open letters. So in your mind, when you think of open letter, think of social media. Think of a Facebook post. Samballat went to Facebook to take Nehemiah out. And notice what he wrote. It is reported among the nations and Geshem. Well, who's Geshem? Geshem's his friend. So basically he's saying, the whole world knows Nehemiah and my buddy Geshem, the liar. He says this, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, check this out. They don't even hide it anymore. Therefore, according to these rumors, (laughs) You're rebuilding the wall that you may be their king. To you, you've also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah. Now these matters will be reported to the king. So come therefore and let us take counsel together. And then I said, verse 8, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your heart. For they are trying to make us afraid, saying their hands will be weakened in the work and they will not be done. Now therefore, O God, strengthen my hands. Number two. Attack number two was, a, was literally an attack upon his reputation or the attempt to assassinate his character. Now, if you've ever had anyone try to attack your reputation or assassinate your character through rumors and lies and all that nonsense, you know how painful it can be. You also know how distracting it can be as you try to put out the fires of all the lies that might be spread about you. And Nehemiah doesn't do that. He still doesn't take the invitation. Instead, he takes a strong stand in verse 8 and says, you're lying, you're making these things up, and I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep focused on what God... You know, when I speak to someone uh, about serving here, I remind them that it's important for them to live a life that's blameless or above reproach, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 
And the idea behind that word is not a perfect life, but rather this, that when an accusation comes, and they will, it will be false because your life is lived exact opposite. Here, we find that they're going right after his heart. And I for, hold on to this thought, but notice in verse 7, that when he says, there is a king in Judah. Just keep that in the back of your mind because there's a strange relationship through the enemies of God and the people of God, specifically people in Judah. The assassination of your character is a painful attack. And it makes sense that when God is doing a great work that the enemies of God will go after the leaders. Because if you can disgrace and distract the leader, take him away from what he or she's been called to do, to go chase down all the accusations, chase down all those things, then the work will stop and the enemy will prevail. The more lies that are spread and repeated, unfortunately, it's a very powerful way to take people out because unfortunately people believe lies. Even when it says, oh, by the way, Geshem told me. Well, Geshem's another liar like Sambalat. And they also mention in verse 6 that these are rumors. What is it about us that we like to hear rumors? What is it about us that we like to believe rumors? Whatever it is, it needs to be crucified and the old man reckoned dead so that we cling to what is true, honorable, what is right. And there could just be a prayer for us to say, God, forgive us for believing lies about people. It doesn't reflect you, Jesus, because you came in grace and in truth. You have sent your son to reveal to us the path of grace and truth. It's been said, and I'll quote, it's been said that people who spread rumors are like walking infections. The lying words from their mouths spread like disease from person to person. And the only way to stop the disease is to keep your mouth shut. And I would add to keep your ears shut because this is a dangerous place for all of us. But I love his response. He takes a stand. No, you're wrong. I'm getting back to work. You see, this personal attack on Nehemiah's character, they couldn't kill him physically, so they went after his reputation. And he was singled out because they went after him. You can get the leader, then the people will follow. If you can take out mom and dad, the kids will be vulnerable. If you can take out a Christian leader, you could take out a pastor, you could take out a Sunday school teacher. Look, you think teaching the kids is not that significant, but let me tell you something. They depend upon you. They come and trust you. The parents in this church, they want you to teach those kids the ways of God. And if you disappear and you go sideways and you don't pay your taxes and you don't find yourself in a place where you're now you're all in pornography and you're not teaching the kids anymore, the kids suffer. The kids suffer, and the enemy went after a leader. You go, well, I'm not a leader. All I really do is just teach Bible study. No, we learned last time that whatever you do, you do it under the Lord. You matter. And so it makes sense that pastors are, are targets. It makes sense that elders are targets. It makes sense that deacons are targets. It makes sense that Bible, Bible teachers, Sunday school teachers, you name it, believers, you have influence. You have influence in our culture. You have influence in our city. You have influence at work. You have influence in home. And Nehemiah realized something. When you're attacked, your credibility is attacked. Nehemiah realized something. He realized that protecting his reputation was beyond his control. He needed to continue to live by faith. Let me repeat that. Nehemiah realized that protecting his reputation was beyond his control. So he gave a quick rebuttal. He said, no, you're making it up. And he went back to work. But he also went back to work in an attitude of prayer. 
where you find he's at the end of verse 9. He's just praying, God, would you just strengthen my hands? Because I believe this is given to us for two reasons. Number one, just to show you that he didn't have to get to a prayer closet. He didn't have to say a big, long prayer. As a matter of fact, Nehemiah is known for his quick, quick, powerful prayers. But I also see not only is a man of prayer, but secondly, I think it's getting to him. Strengthen my hands. It's getting to him. Four times, five times, and now, you know, open letter in ancient days, you know, you could, two ways you could send a letter. You could send it to the recipient sealed so that only the recipient could break that seal and read it. But an open letter would be read at every stop. The whole purpose of an open letter was to influence as many people by that letter. So they would stop and read, stop and read. Anybody, they'd gather a crowd, read it, move on to the next village. Gather a crowd, read it, move on, move on. So they're smearing his reputation all over town is basically what's happening. And I've heard it said this way, something I've adopted in my own life. If I take care of my character, God will take care of my reputation. If I make sure my life is abiding in Christ, then I can leave my reputation, however God wants to use it, in his hands. And by that motto, I can focus my energy and effort on the work that God has given me to do. And so can you. If you take care of your character, and you are the same man hidden in your private life as you are in your public life, if you're the same woman privately in the inner parts of your heart as you are, as everybody knows, God will take care of your reputation. And I know that many of you have been on the other end of a lie, somebody lying about you at work, somebody that wants your job, wants your position. You might even, they might even, the HR might even believed it and you lost your job for it. It's painful could be within your family where family members love to talk and love to gossip and love to rumor, spread rumors about you and love to perpetuate and want to hurt you. For what reason? Only God knows. You can't protect or defend your reputation in terms of controlling the situation. You can't. And this is a profound thought as we move on to the second or to the third point, but here's a profound thought. You should remember this. People are going to think whatever they want to think. You can't control that. So to go to the plains of Ono one more time to try to reason with them, to try to convince them, hey, people are going to think what they think, especially if an enemy of God is trying to smear your reputation, Facebook, Twitter, text, and all these lies. Just keep your eyes on the Lord and understand it's going to come if it hasn't already. Number three, notice with me, number three, in verse 10. Afterward, I came to the house of Shimeiah, the son of Deliaiah. <laughs> Don't laugh. You go home and read these in front of the mirror and let me know how it goes. <laughs> the son of Mehetabiel, who was a secret informer. Oh, really? Secret informer. So somebody close to Nehemiah is a liar. Does that remind you of anyone? Wasn't there someone close to Jesus that was a liar? Well, notice. He's a secret informer, and he said, let us meet together in the house of God. Now the attack gets spiritual. Now that, forget about the plane of Ono now. Here's a guy that's paid to lie, false prophet, and says, let's go meet in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they're coming to kill you. Indeed, at night, they'll come to kill you. And I said, should a, such a man as I flee? And who is there such as I would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And say it with me. It's another way of saying, no. No, I'm not going in. No. And you just got to set your heart and your mind toward obeying God. 
When your heart and mind is set toward obeying God, even a temptation, let's go to the house of God. Let's lock ourselves. And he tried to make him afraid. You know why? Because the fear of man will destroy you. It's like a trap. It's a snare, the Bible says. And once you can be afraid of man, fear then leads to panic. And you know as well as I do, panic leads to a lot of bad decisions. Now, it's not that God didn't give us fear in order for self-protection and stuff. Fear in its right, fear is kind of like fire. In its right context is really good. But when it's out of control, it's really, really bad. And here we are again. I'm not going in. And notice, here's the discernment again, verse 12. Then I perceived that God had not sent him at all. This was not from the Lord. This is not wisdom from God. This doesn't sound like God. It doesn't look like God. But they pronounced this prophecy against me because Tobiah and Samballot had hired him. So not only was he a secret informant, he was a paid informant. Remember in the trial or the false trial of Jesus, they actually paid people to lie, to bring about his false conviction. And it says in verse 13, for this reason he was hired that I should be afraid and act that way in sin so that they might have occasion for an evil report that they might reproach me. Strategy number three was a direct invitation to sin. Now they're not even messing around. Just come into the temple, use the temple, use the resources of God for yourself, Nehemiah. They're coming after you. They're going to kill you. If you don't hide in the temple, if you don't cower away, then you're going out. They're going to take you out. They, they, have, they have not only trying to assassinate your character, now they've got an assassination attempt on your life. So let's run to the temple. Close the doors. There you'll be safe. But this is a direct invitation to sinning against God. The temple, the things of God are not used, not to be used in that way. This is not a legitimate spiritual invitation, but a temptation to lead Nehemiah into sin so that this one act will soil his whole life. That's what he's concerned about. He says, if I did that, then people are going to reproach me. The name of God is going to be reproached. I, I'm not going to sin. What kind of guy do you think I am? You totally misunderstand me. I'm a man of courage and conviction. I'm a man who sticks by my word. You've already know, the enemy's already recognized he's resisted this five times. He's resisted the assassination of his character and his reputation. He said, I'm not running away. I'm standing firm. And it's been said, and I quote, true courage is not the absence of fear, but it's going on and doing the right thing even though you do fear. And this is so encouraging. Nehemiah is not worn down to the point of making bad decisions. He's strong in the Lord. And his courage comes from the Lord. And no matter what comes our way, how much and how hard, that courage in Nehemiah that came from the Lord can be ours as well. But I have to say in my own life, I haven't always experienced this kind of courage. There have been seasons in my life where I don't reflect. I haven't reflected the, the strength of Nehemiah. I'm sure you can see it in your life as well. Where in a weakened position, where I, I was so tired physically, and I was so tired emotionally, and I was so beat down with the warfare and the things surrounding me, that I have been tempted on more than one occasion, especially in the last, probably specifically in the last seven years, to just throw in the towel. Uh, words in my mind have come up, and they actually uh, have come out of my mouth before. 
And it's not just my inside voice anymore. It actually came out of my mouth and my outside voice where I have approached situations where I said, I'm done. Anybody ever use those words? Yes, no? No, Ed, it's all you. You are one messed up guy. All right, I'm all right. That's, this is my life. And God uses it anyway. And I just like, I'm done. I'm done with this. And, and there's been this specific laser-pointed attack of the enemy that has been relentless for six and a half years in my life. And I have to say now, God has made me a stronger man through it. It hasn't ended, but he has made me a stronger man. And I've been able to endure. Listen, I'm nowhere like Nehemiah. But even in a weak guy like me, I have been able in the power of God to endure even the temptation to quit because of God's faithfulness. And God is faithful in your life too. He will complete the work that he started in your life. He will. You can hold on to it. You can bank it. You can base your whole life upon that one promise that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will do that. He is doing that. He will do that. He is doing that. So even today, if you hear Nehemiah, and instead of being encouraged, it kind of discourages you because you're like, well, Ed, I haven't shown this kind of courage before, or I almost gave up, or I was talking to a brother recently who was just saying, yeah, you know, I have, I, I fell away and I wandered off, but he was back. And we say, welcome home. Welcome home. No longer looking backwards. We forget those things that are behind us and what? We look forward to the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And we run our race. Keep your eye on the finish line. We're running our race. And here, Nehemiah is filled with courage of God. He's filled with courage. And again, he says, no, nah, this guy's a false. He's not, he's not true. He's a false. He's a liar. A hired hand. The spiritual attack and trap was all too familiar. It was Alan Redpath that wrote this, and I quote, whether you be a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist or a Sunday school leader or whatever your position might be in Christian leadership, let me say that there will always be those who are friendly to your face, but you plan your downfall behind your back. Beware of the fawning, flattering Christian who's always fluttering around and who behind your back will be the first to rejoice when you go down. And it's true. This guy was super close to Nehemiah, and he was a liar and a cheat, and it happens. Finally, number four, pick up with me in verse 14. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalat, according to these their works, and the prophetess Noadiah and the rest of the prophets who would have made me afraid. And again, Nehemiah just commits him to the Lord. He allows God to be his defender. He resists and he denies the lies, but he steps back and he says, look, I've got a great work going on here. I'm going to let God defend me. And notice he says in verse 15, the wall was finished on the 25th day, the month of Elu, in 52 days. <laughs> Nehemiah was able to do in 52 days what the children of Israel didn't care about for hundreds of years. 52 days. You know, God can do a quick work in your life. You know that? What you think is going to take forever, God can do pretty quickly. You turn to him, you draw near to him. The Bible says he'll draw near to you. He can do a fast work, a quick work, faster than you even think, more than you can think or imagine. It happened then, verse 16, when all of our enemies heard of it and all the nations around us saw these things, that they were very disheartened in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was done by our God. Here they are trying to make Nehemiah afraid, and they're the ones that are bummed out. However, the wall's done, 
It's a new assignment for Nehemiah. You would think it's over. The attacks are over. Finished my work. I'm done. The wall's done. But notice one more thing in verse 17. Moreover, in those days, the nobles of Judah sent many letters to Tobiah, and the letters of Tobiah came to them. So you have now people of God communicating with the enemy, not breaking off that relationship. But instead, they're, they're communicating because they have something to do with Tobiah's. Tobiah is got some, still got some power and influence, and they want that power and influence. And instead of committing to the leadership that God gave them, they are friends with the enemy. Verse 18, for many in Judah were pledged to him. Now, wait a minute. Remember the letter? The letter said, back in verse 7, there will be a king in Judah. And people in Judah, notice, have been pledged to Tobiah, which brings us to the fourth and final attack, and that is all-out discouragement. If you've ever been betrayed by someone you trusted, it is a discouraging thing. And usually it's in discouragement when people quit. Oh, it's not enough to have these letters. Leave the work and let's go to the plain of Ono so we can kill you. Uh, no thanks. Oh, there's a fifth letter. Let us kill your reputation. Let us ruin what everybody thinks about you. No, thank you. Oh, well then, let's run to the temple. Let's go and you can protect yourself because they're coming and everybody's after you. No. And then the wall's done. Yes. This is awesome. We did it. We hung the gates. Everything's great. Oh, by the way, by the way, there are many in Judah pledged to your enemy. You know Judah? You know what his name means? Anybody? Say it out loud if you know it. It means praise. So here are people that are to be known for their praise. The very tribe by which the line, the lion of the king, the king of Judah, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Messiah will come from. There are some that are to be praising God instead of turned against God. And Nehemiah has to feel the brunt of that. They were pledged to him. Why? Because he's the son-in-law of Shechaniah, the son of Era, the son of Johanan, married the daughter of Meshulam, the son of... Now Tobiah is an enemy because the people of God disobeyed God earlier. Now he's a relative. And they reported his good deeds before me and reported my words to him. And Tobiah just didn't stop. Do you see that in verse 19? Tobiah sent letters to frighten me. Non-stop discouragement. The enemy goes for the heart. The, the finishing of the walls was a complete embarrassment to the enemies of God. It revealed that they weren't successful. And instead of retreating, they went even deeper, influencing people. They didn't even have to pay these guys from Judah. The, the, prophet, the false prophet they paid, but they didn't have to pay for these guys because they were in line. They pledged themselves to the enemy. I'm telling you, if you don't understand this in your life, it's going to cause you a lot of pain where you've pledged yourself to someone anti-God and you have some friends that love God and you're kind of trying to play both sides and you've got, you, you've got these friends that are encouraging you and pointing you to the Lord and you've got these other ones that are anti-God or maybe anti-your friend and I'm telling you, anybody you pledge yourself with, any close friend is going to influence you and the Bible says that evil company corrupts good habits. Don't think that won't happen. Don't, oh no, Ed, I got it all under control and everything's going to be fine. These people that pledged themselves to Tobiah became an enemy of Nehemiah. I don't know about you, but Nehemiah would not be my enemy. He'd be my friend. He'd be the guy I pledge myself to. He'd be the guy that I follow. He'd be the guy that I commit to lead. That's a man that I want to follow. And yet there were people there that went against Nehemiah for the enemies of God. Don't do it. 
you'll regret it and you'll waste that time in your life because this was super discouraging to see people align themselves with the enemies of God. Thanks for listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Today, we're completing our four-part series, Into Faith We Go. And if you missed any part of the study, you can listen to that online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. It's also available through our free app. Download that today by searching for Calvary Aurora. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor returns to Romans. We left off in Chapter 7 a couple of weeks ago. Join us Thursday when we'll learn the law is holy, just, and good. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.